everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. So Juliet and I have been uh, chatting for a few minutes, and um, as we always do before we hop before we hit record. And we decided that today we would like to talk about uh, restoration and renewal. And we think that this might be a beautiful time to do that with the new year, uh, which is when this episode will go out is is early in the new year. And um, we know that 2020 has been uh, for some people, for many people, an excruciating year. And I know that (laughs) so many of us just can't wait for 2021 and the hope that something, um, that it'll be a different kind of a year. And who knows, we'll see, Uh, but we're showing up and and gonna talk about that today. And Juliet, why don't you take it and and start us off on this riffing? Yeah, thank you and welcome to all our listeners. And it's uh, it's great to be here. We're recording this on the uh, winter solstice. which is in itself a kind of looking forward towards longer day, daylight length. And it feels, it feels like a pause, a bit of a pause for me. And it's almost sort of looking up from whatever my day-to-day things that are going on. And I find, you know, when I, when I am not, deep into my own daily doings, you know, hope and optimism about the future does want to bubble up. And not in a not in a Pollyanna way, but my sense, I think I, I've always had um, an admiration for the human spirit in what it's what what's possible, I suppose. And I, I just find myself curious about getting real about what renewal and restoration is really about. Uh, so when we were talking before we came on, I'm interested in not doing, not relating to things in the way perhaps I always have and seeing the seeds of not just for me personally, but collectively, I'm interested in questions about renewal and restoration. Because as you say, you know, this year could very easily take us into despair or into just numbing ourselves completely and tuning out. It's too big, it's too much. There's too many things to fix. I can't, I can't 
engage with that. And I have a sense that there's something different on offer. So Mm -hmm. I'd really like to explore that with you. Yeah, I I appreciate you bringing this up because it feels very timely. And, um, and, and what feels really interesting to me about this whole renewal and restoration, especially coming off a year like we're, we're coming off of, uh, is that, that so often people approach the new year with all these goals and all this, you know, visioning and manifesting and do, 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 doing. And, and it's really interesting and it, and it feels good to me and even hopeful to me to think about for my, even for myself to begin the new year, not from that place, but from the place of restoration and renewal. You know, I think that for many, many people, there has been profound loss this year. Personally, collectively, um, I know that I'm in the middle of, of a big loss right now. And, and it's, you know, one of the things in my mind about, about that is you, when you're in the middle of a loss, how do you really show up for work, for business, for your clients when you're in the middle of a loss? And, and it seems to me that, that the way to do that is through presence. Presence with myself, presence with you, presence with my clients. You know, and that that is like one of the most profound gifts for ourselves and each other. And that that in and of itself is renewing and restorative, if that makes sense. It it does. It absolutely does. Because that's another being present is a phrase we, we use it. We talk about it quite a lot and you hear it a lot. And it's so interesting to, to notice that we, we can have a lot of ideas about what being present means. We can think about being present. We can analyze being present. We can, we can set goals to be present. <laughs> and none of, none of that is it. And the beautiful thing about presence, and, and I would say to our listeners, if, if presence doesn't land for you as a word, choose your own. You know, for some people it's being in flow or it's lacking self-consciousness or it's knowing all is well. I mean, pick pick whatever of those feels resonant. Because the beautiful thing about about that is that in those moments when we are present time and space fall away there's a timeless element to it mm-hmm. and that's so well our title is renewal it is renewing it's it's it sounds a bit fanciful but it's almost like you get to go and you know drink the kool-aid even if it's for a microsecond And then we come back into the fray of life. But we do so knowing that what's available in presence is is what matters, is the foundation, is what we 
it's almost it's almost like when you come out of a low mood and suddenly everything doesn't look so difficult again mm-hmm. and nothing's really changed but the the renewal and restoration that we're we're interested in and what you're saying about you know how do you show up i think the invitation in here i'm sort of going round meandering a bit because being present is being present to what is happening so when you talked about loss it's being present to grief mm-hmm. it's being present to loss it's not being present isn't skipping in the meadows with the sun shining right it yeah and and i i really appreciate you saying to our listeners if presence is a word that doesn't work for you choose another word um and another word that's coming to me in in addition to presence i i for one really like that word um but but it but it's presence with tenderness like there's this you know it's like it feels to me like tenderness is so so important that um that openness that tenderness that that tenderness to the um to to the um, difficulty of the human condition, <laughs> you know, and, and and what you just said about present to the experience, which means to me, in part at least, not having to fix anything, not having to change anything necessarily, not having to control, mitigate, manage all those words that we so often bring to the table. And it, and it gives me a sense of relief. Like when I'm in the middle of a loss and I'm grieving, it, it doesn't mean that I can't show up for my life. I, I'm going to show up probably differently. But if I just show up with presence and tenderness, a lot of things will just take care of themselves without so much effort on my part. Well, I see this in my work. Um, you know, I was talking to my business coach, a couple of weeks ago and I was saying, man, I, I, you know, I'm trying to finish up this course that I'm creating this, this eight module course. And I'm, I've got two modules left. And when I'm really in the flow and I've got a lot of energy, I can do, I can do one in a week. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, but man, I cannot for the life of me do it right now in the middle of this grief I'm in, I cannot do it. And my coach is always pushing me. She knows how she can push me. She's great at it. And so I came to on this session thinking, okay, she's going to say, you know what, you just have to double down. And what she said to me was, don't do it. Just don't do it. Wait till the new year. You know that when you're in the flow, you can get one out in a week. Just let yourself off the hook right now and just show up for your clients. And so really all I'm doing this, these last couple of the weeks of, of, um, of of 2020 is just being present to my clients and then grieving. (laughs) That's it. And it, and it's a relief to know that I don't have to in the midst of this, you know, crank out the level of work that I can crank out when I'm not in grief. And I, 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 one of the things that I kind of resent about our culture you know, the, the, the most difficult death I've ever been through was my mother's. And everybody just wanted me to get on with it. Just come on, Carla, it's time. Just get on with it. And I just simply couldn't 
but I felt a lot of guilt and shame about it because of the pressure. And I wanted, you know what I wanted, Juliet, was like, um, there's certain tribes, I don't know where they are, I can't remember now, who, you know, when there's a death, the whole tribe comes around the uh, the loved ones who are left and they they wail, they sit around the hut and they collectively wail to give expression to this loss. And I resent how proper and controlled and shut down and careful we are in this culture about our losses and grief. Like I want to wail and I want permission to wail and I want everybody around me to wail with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stand by listeners. (laughs) (laughs) So next week we're going to have a wailing cut. No, but, but there is something about um, being present with one another in, in our grief and not be so quick to rush people through it. Um, you reminded me when we were talking before we hopped on of a client of mine who was so distressed that he wasn't um, achieving, producing as much as he wanted to this year. Um, and, and I reminded him that his mother died. Now, it's hard to lose the mama. No matter what kind of relationship with you, you have with your mother, healthy, not healthy, disappointing, not disappointing, it is just can be pretty unmooring to lose your mom. And he lost her this summer and we talked about it. And then by the end of this year, we just had a session last week and, and he was saying, you know, I had a really good year considering all that I was dealing with and the loss of my mother and the pandemic. He said, you know what, I did just fine. And he was able to come to a place of acceptance that, that this wasn't the big breakout year for him, but it was a good year because he showed up um, at the level at which he could show up. And that's enough, Juliet. It's enough. And I would love to see us give one another permission, um, permission to grieve, permission to struggle, permission to have difficult times and it be okay and not have to show up at the level at which we do when those things aren't going on. I'd love to see companies. Um, I encourage this with my entrepreneurs and their companies to create a culture within your company where it's okay to grieve, where it's okay to take time off, where it's okay to not be as productive some weeks as other, where it's okay to celebrate and not always push for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And what I appreciate, now I'm really going off, aren't I, Juliet? What I appreciate about you bringing the the winter solstice online is that, you know, there's nowhere else in nature we see that. That level of pushing, 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 more, 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 producing, producing. Everywhere else in nature, you know, the leaves fall, the fields go fallow, um, the the animals hibernate, but not not humans. And it's costing us dearly. There's several several things um, bubbling up. One is this morning I was reading an article about they found some um, early Neanderthal remains. I think it was in Spain and they haven't, it's not conclusive, but they're looking at the 
They look at the bones and they can determine things about bone growth. And the bones are suggesting that the people that lived there actually hibernated Mm. in the winter. And there's another phrase called torpor, which isn't full hibernation. Mm -hmm. But it's this thing of, you know, when the because it would they deduce it was a very harsh climate. And we know that animals do this. Mm -hmm. They shut down their body functions, shut down. So they just keep the vital organs going. And that is. And we say, oh, that's a survival strategy. And we sit in our, you know, we're sitting here on Zoom and laptops and what have you. Uh, and we think, oh, that's got nothing to do with us. But I love what you're pointing at, that if you look in, in nature, when things like I can look out the window now and it doesn't look like there's much going on in terms of growth because we're deep in the winter. I mean, literally the estuary is blanketed in fog. I couldn't even see it this morning. And as if, you know, the world is just kind of, closed down and of course it's a great metaphor for what's going on also in a lot of places including here about lockdowns and things and and as you say it's well two things strike me about it I was having a very interesting conversation about this this morning as well that timeless quality I talked about is it's the and both So in the timeless space, when we talk about our essence, none of this matters. Winter, summer, growth, you know, hibernation, uh, joy, sorrow. They They are almost like, you know, turns of the wheel. And in a timeless sense, when you when I think about timelessness, I I feel a great sense of freedom. Because when you were saying about wait till after New Year or a week to do your module, it's, it's like in, in the world we live in, the world of form, weeks and calendars and taking a day off are, all look very solid and real and true and important, important to everything functioning properly. But as you've just pointed to, you know, the world would still function without clocks. We'd have to like adjust, but you know, the sun would still rise and set. Mm-hmm. The weather would still come in and out. You know, most other beings on this planet would just carry on fine if there were no clocks. Mm-hmm. And it's like in so many areas, and what you're pointing to is that we've taken an aspect, which I call TikTok and try to apply it to everything. Whereas actually clocks are really useful for making appointments. You know, clocks are really useful for planning a vacation when we get to do that again. <laughs> clocks are really useful for um, a meeting with your friend at an agreed time. Mm-hmm. But it's it feels like sort of, um, oh, I'm not gonna think of a good metaphor, but it it's sort of, it feels like dressing yourself in gray every day when you could there's hundreds of colors to choose from it feels like sitting in four walls when there's a whole world outside to look at Mm -hmm. so instead of using those forms we've created like clocks and timetables to just for what they're useful for we started to apply them to everything and so and and my what I'm really seeing and feeling as we kind of go into the end of this year 
I'm seeing this everywhere, Carla, that people are beginning to have conversations in in the world of, um, I'll put it in the notes, there's something called the Wreath Lectures and the former Bank of England governor, who's a Canadian, has been talking about them. And I only caught a very short piece of it last night. But these academics and politicians and government advisors were having a question and answer session and they were talking about things like um, markets that put value on well-being, which hasn't been measured so far. Mm-hmm. You know, ways of, um, of uh, companies that are already doing that are broadening out their perspective to not just be about the bottom line. Because what you're talking about in a sort of personal way is mirrored, I think, in, in the way the markets work. And the big piece that was so exciting was that it's got out of whack it's not that it's intrinsically bad but it's just taken us to a place where the cost is too high on individuals on communities and on the land Mm -hmm. but the great hope for me is that and this is coming back to that when we like let go of all our ideas about how do we get here and how on earth do we get out of this you know, we come back to presence and we come back to beginning to intuit, I suppose, the next right thing. And in your story, Carla, what I loved is the next right thing might be having a day of wailing. Mm-hmm. The next right thing might be spending a day putting a module together. Mm-hmm. And they're not different in a way. Do you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. The only thing that makes one better or worse or more useful or productive than another is just our beliefs. Just the meaning that we put on it. Like yeah. one is not okay and one is okay. You know, one is better than the other is what we say. When, when actually grieving is healing, when we, when we allow ourselves to grieve, it actually is healing. It's good and it's rich. You know, when we don't have all those stories and all the meaning we place on it, it's just a rich, rich experience. It's, there's no harm done. You know, it's, it's a deep, rich uh, uh, experience, kind of like um, maybe like the field lane fallow. You know, that dark, you know, it's, it's replenishing. When a field is, is left um, fallow, it's, it's a period of, of rejuvenation. It's a period of rebuilding the soil. It's a period of um, gaining nutrients again. There's an um, a, a Instagram handle I follow called, I think it's called the Nap, Nap Ministry. And it's like this... Um, revolutionary thing because it it is kind of going up against this uh cultural grind that we find ourselves in and and it's trying to help people understand that you get to take a nap (laughs) you get to take naps you get to rest you get to take time off you get to you get to um you get to replenish you get to restore and if you don't you're going you're gonna to damage yourself. And I've got some clients to prove that. 
Yeah. And the and the beautiful thing is, like, even as we're saying it, you, you were talking about the naps, you know, there's recognition in me. I can feel myself like, of course, it's like common sense, isn't it? That we aren't we aren't a, a component in a factory that you just turn the power on and it keeps going until you turn the power off. Right. We're living, breathing, you know, sentient beings but we treat ourselves sometimes as if we're a component in the, you know, a machine in the factory. Yeah. I think that's kind of how this culture was, was set up, you know, and then it's just, and I think about the, 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 the farming practices, um, the, the corporate farming practices that they don't allow for the fields to go fallow. They just keep throwing more and more and more and more chemicals on it. And we humans do the same thing, don't we? with uh, medications, with alcohol, you know, drugs and, and various and sundry things to keep us going when we shouldn't keep going, mm-hmm. when we should stop yeah. for a little while. So I, I think, you know, I think this subject is so timely as we enter the new year where people are so keen to, to set all these. And I'm not saying don't set intentions and don't vision. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying it, it might be interesting to um, to really focus on this whole renewal and restoration so that we, we really can have our best year. Yeah. And I, 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 I had a sense, too, that it's the linear nature of things that gets us into that treadmill. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, what if the end of the year, I love the circular image that, you know, we look back around to all that, um you know I loved you brought up tenderness earlier you know all the tender spots you know they can come in it's almost like you know we've opened the door and the tender spots come in and I think that what you're pointing at the grieving you said that grieving is healing and it it kind of feels that trying to build something you know we talk about restoration and and renewal trying to build something new whether that's in your business or in your family or um in yourself it, it would be like you know trying to decorate your house when you haven't like cleaned up and prepared the, the the rooms and the walls for decoration if you just went in there as is and tried to like slap a bit of paint on I mean yeah sure you'll kind of get a newish looking paint finish but it won't stick mm-hmm. and I think it's beautiful what you're pointing to that there is this I think it's a dual thing you know in 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 allowing grief along you know grief and gratitude start with the same two letters I've just noticed and it feels that they're almost the flip side of each other. Mm-hmm. That when you make that space for the, for the loss, you also there's a reciprocity there that you're also making space for the gratitude. Because you wouldn't feel loss if something hadn't been um, a treasured mm-hmm. part of our lives. That's right. And so. You know, and we know, as you pointed to this year, I mean, losses have come in so many different forms for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big one has been loss of certainty or so it looks loss of security. So it looks and we've we've talked about that on other episodes. 
And so the losses can feel like they're tumbling in and you oh, you know, you can't kind of, you're reeling and you can't really. Um, I really love what you're pointing to. It's like to take a breath, to take a pause mm -hmm. and honour those losses because they are, they were the source of great joy. Yes. And it's this way things change form in our minds and in the world. There's, there's, um, when we're not stuck in any one um, experience, we, we start to see how things, even our own experience, transforms. So the fear we have of, of just being with that uh, sorrow, mm -hmm. it, it's again, it's, it's wanting to kind of shortcut through to where I'll feel okay again. Mm -hmm. wanting to fix that feeling which you touched on um and we're missing something when we do that um because you you said it you know grief it, it's not in any way to minimize the pain that can be felt but there is also an a sort of honoring mm -hmm. in grief mm-hmm which, which is an antidote to just rushing through always to try to get somewhere better and be mm -hmm. something better and have a better experience where we just miss the journey. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch myself in grief. Um, you know, and I, I've done that this several times where I've kind of watched myself in, in grief. And, and I noticed that, that oftentimes in, in initially in grief, you know, I just, I do, I just like, I just want to get away from it. I just want to find a way around it. I just want to ignore it. Um, or I just collapse into it in a, in a very unhealthy way. And, uh, and this idea that it'll always be this way and all this stuff. And what I'm noticing right now with my particular loss and grief that I'm, I'm in right now is that right now it just feels um, like, okay, you know, like it's okay. And, and I know too that it won't always be this way. I know my experience has been in my 60 years that, that every single time I move through the grief, sometimes it takes longer than others. Every single time I've moved through the grief and I'm fine, you know, but when I start making all kinds of meaning about it, if I start to analyze it and judge it too much, then, um, you know, oftentimes that means I'm reaching into the past and saying, you see, you know, this is how it's always going to be and blah, 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 blah. Or projecting into the future, I'll never, or it will always, or now these things there make me start to suffer a lot. Um, and the other thing I noticed too, Juliet, with this particular loss I'm going through is that it, it's, it's, um, it's triggering old childhood losses. And um, while that's painful, it also feels like it's an opportunity for healing of some of that, those things as I do it in a different way than when I've been triggered with those childhood things in the past. It's like an opportunity, almost like they can come up for some air, come up for some healing. It's like um, that they get to be a part of this too. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but but it's it's really interesting and it's rich you know it's like this good rich 
thing. I'm not saying it's particularly enjoyable, Juliet. (laughs) But it's not a problem and it's not like hurting me in any way, like like damaging me. It's just it's just um, some rich, deep thing that that, um, you know, is is like maybe being under the soil so that something can break open and take root. Yeah. And I can feel that from you, that you're in a very tender, a, a beautiful word, you know, you feel to me that it's that tenderness. And I was remembering in a lot of cultures, you know, people who have uh, been bereaved wear black mourning. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I was anti-rituals of any kind, you know, I thought they were all part of some, you know, <laughs> either the patriarchy or <laughs> something or other. And I remember uh, when I lost my my father, it suddenly dawned on me what these rituals, the treasure in them, mm-hmm. because the 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 black clothing was is I see it so differently now. Um, I thought it was oppress- oppressive, and now I see it. We we came up with this visual sign. So the person wearing the black is, is, you know, wrapping themselves in a kind of tenderness, but also for everybody else, mm-hmm. that point you were making about society mm-hmm. wanting push, push, strive, we go, oh, okay, they've had a loss. Mm-hmm. And don't we bring more tenderness to somebody if you, if you knew, you know, somebody was in grief. Mm-hmm. We relate to someone differently, mostly. And I'm just, um, I'm often struck by how the meaning of things that I've had in my, you know, that I've put on something can change. And I heard something as well in, in what you were saying is when old griefs come back, I really have experienced in my own life that we, they get served up to us when, when we're ready to deal with them. Yeah. And by deal with them, I don't mean analyze them. Mm-hmm. I think there's something around experience or express them, not in a not in a way of like re-traumatizing ourselves. Right. But it's a bit more what you're saying because it looks to me, and I had a very powerful conversation about this today that we as humans, we, we live in our stories about everything, our beliefs, concepts, ideas, and stories about ourselves, about other people, about the past, about the future. And you touched on that when you said, when you go those places, you suffer. And that's such a profound realization that I really want to sort of put out to the listener again, because what I think happens when things come back around is it's not that we get to make a better story about things, but we just begin to see the nature of story. We can't live without it. We're always going to do it, mm-hmm. but we don't have to take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Because the stories, they're what we do, but they are ever changing and they can, the possibility for one idea, belief, concept, conditioning, whatever you want to call it, to fall away is always there. 
And without, in those moments where we're just in it back to presence and we're just feeling the feeling, we're just having the experience we're having, that too is when all those beliefs and ideas about the experience just sort of recede. And I really recognise what you're saying, that in that place, there isn't suffering. There's just experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and something you said made me think about um, how some people talk about and deal with trauma. You know, like, like there's some... Let's see if I can find my words for what I'm trying to say. It's like like some people minimize past trauma, trauma, and they say, you know, it's just all in your brain. It's just, you know, you can just think it away. Just stay in the present moment. Don't think about those times. And that's not what I'm saying here. It's like, um, like when the old trauma surfaces, it's not that I try to move back into this present moment where that's not happening anymore. It's about welcoming it in and just, I think, just as you said, um, just, just tenderly being present to that old trauma that's, that's coming up for a little bit of air, a little bit of nurture maybe, a little bit of tenderness maybe, a little bit of presence maybe to that trauma And I, I think it doesn't hurt to, to to say, you know, while that trauma was real and did happen, it's not happening to me right now and I'm okay. Um, you know, I think that's fine too. But I know that a lot of people um, here and a lot of people, you know, this whole, uh, honest to goodness, we're almost at the end of time and I'm getting ready to go down a big rabbit hole here. <laughs> so I may not want to do that, Juliet. Because I don't, I, I see in some of the spiritual communities, people really minimizing trauma. And I don't want to be one of those people at all. So I think I, I, I won't say more about that. That may be something that we explore in another episode because we've literally only got about two minutes left or so. Uh, but I do want to say to people, um, you know, that that we're not talking about spiritual bypassing here. We're not talking about um ignoring or pretending or 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 just not getting caught up in your thinking about your past but that a lot of tenderness when we're talking about um renewal and, re and restoration that sometimes that that uh, oftentimes that means um just a tremendous amount of tenderness toward ourselves mm, yeah how important that is because so many of us i think go into uh either just profound anger or deep shame when really what's needed, I think in these moments that our wounds are exposed, uh, what's needed is presence and tenderness. Mm, I love that. And I'm just that, that idea of, of cleaning up the house, you know, very, very gently. It, it's that same, um, it struck me that another way of recognizing being present is that, is that there's the wisdom of the moment that 
when when a, an old loss comes back around, I've noticed that uh, I think this is a natural thing that happens with grief that is moving and flowing is that, you know, there may there comes a point when you you just something might occur to you. We talked about wailing, but it might occur to you to. I don't know, you, a moment of. It's that word honouring and and it can come through as any form. So it might be that you, you know, you just, you just take some space to. It's going to sound a strange thing to say, but to celebrate not of not the trauma, but the, that fresh arising when we don't, as you said, we don't collapse and we don't like, numb ourselves out or just try to go to the bypass it's only thought we're not either of us pointing at any of that we're pointing at you know you're built for whatever comes through you and as you really begin to realize that it it you talked about a sort of freedom and a relaxing into what the experience is and the extraordinary things can occur to us so it might be to the wailing and it might be to take a big cycle ride. It might be to weep. It might be to put some flowers in a vase. And these things, that none of these are prescriptions. But, but I'm, I think what I'm touching on is by honouring the experience that you're in right now, you're honouring life in all its forms. So it's not even personal, which I know is kind of, I'm going to leave people maybe a little bit baffled when I say that. But we each, life comes through us. We're none of us are untouched by life. And life brings losses and joys, sorrows and joys. And when we really begin to realise that you know, we wouldn't experience this if we weren't alive and we each get our own flavour of it, And we we are built to experience all of this. You know, we didn't get on the wrong cue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can feel like it at times. Yeah. Can really feel like it at times. Yeah. And for me that, I back to the beginning of this about renewal and restoration, the human spirit doesn't diminish. And knowing that helps me when I'm up against things. And just what you said, knowing that in any moment how it looks is not how it is. Mm -hmm. And we get to move through this experience. I don't know if that's touching on what I wanted but I think I just want to point people to you know you ha- we have what we need mm-hmm. to navigate and even if you just see that as a question and ponder on it we do have such resources to it's natural to experience what what is coming through us mm-hmm. for everybody there's no question on anybody's ability and capacity to do that yeah 
And I think that's a perfect place to end, Juliet. We would invite our listeners as you move into 2021 to consider um, what you may need around the whole idea of renewal and restoration. And that we want to encourage you that it's just fine and healthy and good to consider this and to take time um, throughout your life for renewal and restoration. Well, thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliet loves freedom of of mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E.org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness.